Within our world are creatures we cannot hope to comprehend. Science refuses to recognize them as fact, but Hollywood sees this as an easy cash grab. Now, join these three men as they venture into these attempts at success. You will witness the good, the bad, and the strange as you are now venturing into Cryptic Collectors. Welcome back to Cryptic Collectors, where we talk about the repercussions of complimenting women. More specifically, those women that brandish a pair of giant shears and wear a Glasgow smile that even the Joker might find hot. My name is Sippy VA, and joining me today are... Ace Maroke. And I am William. Don't ask if I'm pretty. I know it, Kearney. <laughs> uh, I, I'll be the judge of that one. How dare you? Also, guest starring my dogs because they don't know how to shut up. <laughs> they're asking if they're pretty too. They're not. All right. So if you guys, all right. So if you guys haven't delved uh, from Sippy's uh, introduction, today we are going to be talking, going straight to Japan with one of Japan's most interesting and most well-known urban legends, the Slit Mouth Woman. And today we'll be discussing the film adaptation, Cars. So, to start us off, um, Sippy, since you are the expert, at least in my opinion, on (laughs) Japanese urban legends and yokai, why don't you give the nice people here a little introduction on the Slipmouth Woman herself? Okay, well, I'll try to live up to your expectations. So, basically, the Slipmouth Woman is a yokai, but also falls under the category of an onryo, which is the Japanese term for a vengeful spirit. And there is a lot of myths and origins that revolve around her, such as being the um, the wife of a samurai who was pretty promiscuous during his time out of the house. And then when his jealous husband comes in and catches his wife in the act, he slits her mouth from ear to ear and declares that nobody would ever find her pretty after this. And thus gives her a motivation to come back as a vengeful spirit wielding a pair of giant garden shears or scissors, whichever one you prefer or whichever uh, legend that you you know, I'm so confused how the samurai story leads to her getting scissors and wearing a trench coat, which is very modern. I mean, I guess that really, um, that's really more of like when it started becoming big in the 1970s. Or just a katana was just hard for her to use, so she's got scissors, which is far easier in comparison. Now, here's the thing. Just like Teke Teke, this version of the Slipmouth Woman could also be um, a woman that was killed by an oncoming train, and the resulting impact actually slit her mouth ear to ear. The major difference is Teke Teke never had any porn made of her. And I thank God for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yet. That hasn't happened yet. How? How? She has no legs. And she's scary as shit. Well, here's the thing. We can talk about her at a different time. Right now, (laughs) what we're talking about is this uh, young lady or middle-aged woman. It doesn't matter. But Depending who who tells the story. Yeah. (laughs) What? Or perhaps maybe you find that attractive. Who knows? Ladies in trench coaches. I do. 
<laughs> we know you do. Yeah, of course you do. Stop judging me. We Joke's on you, I'm you. into that. You, we Joke's on you, I'm into that. Kink shaming is my kink. <laughs> <laughs> I can off on making fun of you. <laughs> anyways, anyways, before we get off track. Yes. So the whole gist of the Slipmouth Woman is you're walking home late at night, whether you're a child or a or an adult, doesn't matter. You are approached by this one beautiful young woman. She's wearing a trench coat and she has a face mask that's covering her whole mouth ear to ear. And, she and then she says, six feet, six feet. <laughs> and then she asked the question, Watashi wa kire? Or am I Do you have pretty? COVID? <laughs> William, I will slap the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. <laughs> okay, and she will ask, Watashi wa kire? Or am I pretty? And if you respond yes, then she will remove her mask, showing you her Glasgow smile in all its glory, bloodied from ear to ear, possibly with sharp teeth, depending on interpretation. And she will ask, how about now? And one of two things will happen, depending on your choices. And both are not good. First, if you say no... Which is probably the most reasonable response. She will cut you in half with those giant ass shears. However, if you say yes, then she will take her shears and cut your mouth ear to ear to look just like her. There's also therefore, a third option. Therefore, the third option, the best way to counter this is to say, yeah, you're average or yeah, six just out try of to change. Yeah, just and her reaction will be, "You sassy bitch." Yeah. Actually, my my fa my favorite response is, "Jokes on you, I'm into that jizz." <laughs> we know you are. Of course, you are. And then she goes ill and leaves, and that just hurts my feelings. <laughs> but you can also change the subject to throw her off course, like um, if you ever seen that one episode from Constantine, was it? Yeah, yep. it, it was Constantine. Yeah, this, this one guy great just kept changing the subject, but she kept persisting and like, am I pretty? <laughs> am I pretty? Am I pretty? No. Oh, fine, oh, I then. don't know. Is the sky blue? <laughs> <laughs> but here's another way how to escape her. You can run, but she will catch up to you. Therefore, you have to have a bunch of candy on hand. Like Which I always do, thank thankfully. So you of just course. toss it over your shoulder, and she has to pick it up. Now that I always enjoy the red hots. <laughs> now that I always found very interesting because that really feels like a nod to um, the the Jiangxi, um, aka Chinese vampires, where if you drop a thing of uh, rice, they have to collect each grain um, in order to uh, satiate their strange OCD, if you will. Oh, that sounds yeah, like I a nightmare. I know. I know. One is a classic. They, they get rid of bad luck. You put. You take a handful of salt and toss it over your shoulder. Yeah. Yep. Classic. Yeah. Though I, I did want to ask though. Do you guys th think if like they if the 
slim-ass woman existed. Do you think she'd have any effect on an American that doesn't speak a lick of Japanese? Hmm. I mean, it is possible. It is possible that. Um... I mean, it's pretty much a coin toss at this point because even though that they might not understand what she is saying, the most that she would still get out of an American is still yes or no, even if they don't realize it, because what? that is like what your mind zones in on when you uh, don't know a certain language that the other person is speaking and you are trying to sound like you know or understand. Yeah, plus or he, or he go, or this guy's gonna go back to his hotel. She's following him. Hey, Johnson, who's the girl? I don't know who this COVID patient is. She's been following me since I ran across her. Yeah. Plus, you also got to consider that with this, you know, with the world of the supernatural is that you don't really know whether or not these beings just know that one language. They could know other languages that or she has a Japanese to English book because she knows there's a lot of American travelers. <laughs> well, now, here's the that thing. is possible. Now, I want to see that. I don't think that's really much of a problem because the slip mouth woman is still native to Japan, even yeah. though that there is a uh, movie called Slipmouth Woman in L.A. That's just an American interpretation. Wasn't that just Constantine? Right. Wasn't that just a Constantine episode? <laughs> no, 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 no. There was, that was actually a movie. Slipmouth yes. Woman in L.A. No, yeah, no, that, no. That uh, is literally the film. one to rival the, the, the greatness of Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> the difference is, is that she doesn't kick a boombox. And that makes it inferior. Uh, why not? Uh, why not? <laughs> So every iconic film has Jason kicking a boombox. Yes, always. But that actually brings up the fact of, of one of the interesting parts about the Slipmouth Woman is that in terms of film adaptations, there isn't really much of them. Well, there's also a hentai. I'm not sure if that counts as a film. <laughs> I, well, it counts as media. <laughs> hey, cut, uh, yeah, technically it does. But, but here's the thing. I have seen that there are um, certain adaptations of the Slipmouth Woman. There's even like a Slipmouth Woman Zero, hmm. if I remember correctly. But I think those movies are like um, direct to DVD at best. Yeah. And I've mentioned before um, in our previous attempt at uh, recording this video that there was a 1996 short film that was directed by Teriyoshi Ishii who was best known for working on tokusatsu shows like Gridman, Ultraman Tiga, Dinah, and Cosmos. Which, honestly, we should be watching instead of this film. Yeah, <laughs> we really should be, but unfortunately, I ain't been able to find that yet. But that goes into our film that we're going to be looking at today, Carve the Slipmouth Woman, which was directed by Koji Shirashi. And, and not... And not carve carve the slipmouth woman as in you're going to carve the slipmouth woman. It's carve tagline slipmouth woman. Yeah. Now I always now Koji is a very in, in fascinating director because he did a lot of adaptations of other um, urban legends than just the slipmouth woman. Um, we were bringing up Teke Teke. He made a duology of those films, both released in 2009. And from what I've heard, the first Teke Teke film is actually pretty good. But I yeah, it's also incredibly story. short from the sounds of it, about 45 minutes, if I'm correct. Yeah. But, you know, I think the shortness kind of checks out because these are legends, and it's yeah. kind of hard to flesh out a legend more than at least an hour and, what, 20 minutes or so? Yeah, unless you make it like an anthology, like a, a creep show type of anthology. Yeah, kind of like a mockumentary. Kind of like a... Um, 
Saturday morning uh, cartoon or a show. That's... I wouldn't go that far. No. I'd say more like a creep show type of situation. Or Tales from the Crypt. Or Tales from the Crypt, exactly, where each episode just, like, focuses on a Japanese urban legend, which, I mean, that was the case with a lot of shows uh, back in the 60s. Uh, probably the most notable being Gegege no Kitaro, which focused on a lot of Japanese urban legends and yokai. What about uh, ghost stories? Ghost stories Like that as well. deleted episode. Yeah, ghost stories as well. Even To our fellow was... Americans out there, the dub version of ghost stories is not what the original ghost stories is, just to clarify that. We, we... <laughs> What we don't talk but it's about. far more hilarious. Yes, it's true. It's far better in that part. But if you want like an actual ghost story, you probably want the subversion. Yeah. But if you want hilarity, yeah, you want the dub. Yeah. <laughs> I choose not the dub, thank you. But how dare you say? Sippy's a voice actor. How dare you say that to him? I, hey, hey. <laughs> And hey, we- everybody has their opinions on dub and sub. I'm no. not going to get into that. Hey, I enjoy can watch whatever you want to watch. Hey, I enjoy me some good dubs. Good dubs. Yeah, and you know what? Wait, yeah, right. we should- wasn't a good dub? <laughs> it was a glorious oh, oh, dub. Yeah, oh, yeah. See, it was a masterpiece. The best dub. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, Sippy's right. We should be able to allow, allowed to watch what we want. You know, if you want to watch the eight foot tall woman hentai, you should be allowed to watch it. <laughs> Some people might judge you still, yes. but by all means, go ahead. Dan, uh, S- Sippy, I would never judge you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I, on the other hand, will judge, but that's because I'm an asshole. Look, I know, Sippy. I know you have a body pillow with the eight-foot-tall woman. It's an incredibly long body pillow, but I know you have it. <laughs> it helps me sleep at night. God damn it! <laughs> yep. <laughs> we roll up looks like two mattresses sewn together. Okay, but before we um, <laughs> before we uh get off topic, um, let's continue back with our with our uh our feature presentation, if you will. Sippy, I'll let you do what you do what you gotta do. What were they thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I think they were thinking this was some kind of movie, but they weren't sure. Okay, so here's the thing. You remember how I said that it being an urban legend, I wouldn't have mind if it was like a anthology or like a short film. Well, this is a this is a prime example as to why I would have preferred that over this garbage. So basically, the Slipmouth Woman is a very complicated onryo in this. I mean, <laughs> and also has, has the Japanese Japanese mistranslating themselves. Aim yeah. for my neck? Are you kidding me? Yeah. If you guys haven't haven't guessed by now, we did not like this. At all. So basically, as a plot point in the story, her signature phrase, Watashikire, is actually mispronounced, mistranslated as Watashi. (laughs) Oh my god. Basically, instead of saying, Am I pretty? she says, Aim for my neck or cut me. Yeah. And. The main premise of it is that there are a lot of kids um, being abducted by the Slipmouth woman, and a lot of it happens to be based around mothers. So our main character, who is, strangely enough, um, 
played by Eric Osato, who you may know as Cutie Honey herself from the 2004 Hideki Anno um, adaptation of Cutie Honey. And she is... Um, trying- uh, didn't you say she was also in one of the Gamera films? Uh, yes, she was also um, in Gamera 2, Advent of Legion. Okay, that's awesome. That's, I, that's why I probably know her more from. <laughs> like, I know her from the Hideki Anno adaptation, um, but she's a, she is a good actress. But, god damn it, she's given almost nothing to work with here. And also, her character is extremely unlikable throughout the film. Her whole story is that she's trying to figure out why these kids are being abducted, and it all leads to the fact that uh, that mothers, especially abusive ones, are being possessed by the slipmouth woman and kind of turn into her. So it kind of works kind of like a symbiote where it goes from one body to the another after the host is destroyed, which is not at all how the slipmouth slip woman, woman works. works. Now, concept-wise, it's a neat concept, but why the abuse of mothers? That's yeah. That's I a don't big understand thing. that. Yeah, like now, I did. Before we go, I do want to expl- say the first ten minutes of the film sets it up very nicely. It gets you very interested in the film. It's a nice build-up to the Slipmouth Woman. Make you come up as very powerful. Us. They really sucker punched us. Yeah, yeah. Was, like the whole. Yeah, you like, hear the thing. Oh man, she's like an Eldridge, like Creek God, like in this. That is cool. I'm excited to see where they take this. And yeah. then, like abuse of mothers. Yeah, like the first, the first ten minutes are excellent. And I will say this too: the music I think is also really good. Uh, composed by Jen Wano and Chika Fujino. Uh, apologies if I mispronounce those. But I really like the very dark lullaby feel to the score. And maybe it's just because I'm a sucker for those type of music, but I think it really works in context of the Slipmouth Woman. And also, yeah, and the actress who plays the Slipmouth Woman herself does an amazing job with her. Oh, oh yeah. She, she's the best character in the whole show, which is ironic. She's the one killing the kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I really like her blank face. And like one of the moments which I really wish they would have saved for later in the film is when her mask is removed and you see her full slit mouth and she she just like opens her gaping slit jaw and it's a really creepy ass moment. It looks now, Kim, really good. Did not I have would a... give the movie props for that. Yeah, yeah. the makeup is excellent. I, yeah, I say the serious movie do, clearly doesn't have a big budget. They went all out on her design, and I'm really happy they did. Yeah, and admittedly, as weird as the decision was for this, I also kind of like the uh, the more elder-looking version of the Slipmouse Woman that we get in the movie, like the more wrinkled-up version. I call her Pickle Rick. Yeah, Pickle Rick. What I like about that is that it goes back to the idea that this is is an Unreal that's been around for many, many decades and many centuries. So, but and then movie, they ruined it. Yeah, and then I they mean, ruined it. they just set up the monster having been around since like a couple decades. And then they ruined that too because they have an older guy explain to his grandkid that you know in my day we had the Slipmouth Woman legend too. It's strangely inconsistent, and it doesn't help that the film does not really know what it wants to do with its premise. It's very you know this how the Slipmouth Woman works too. So. Going back to the idea of the um, abusive mother angle, so they try to make the Slipmouth Woman an allegory for that, 
which, okay, wrong yokai to do. There are plenty of other yokais, I think, that are better suited for that. Like, they fucked a woman, but, you know, no one kind of wants to use her after the porn thing. Yeah, which, I, she would have been a perfect fit for this movie, uh, given the story. She would have been a perfect fit for other things, too. <laughs> no, but, right, a but better here's... setting, a better setting for the Slipmouth woman would be, like, I could probably overlook the fact that maybe it's, the yokai was around for probably over a decade, but what if the Slipmouth woman was, back then in life, a vain model of sorts like someone yeah. who uh who was known for her looks and then one tragic accident just dashed all of that away and kind of like how a lot of people take bloody mary spirit she goes around just cutting up fashion models or just anybody in general yeah and you could even bring up like even some yakuza angles because there's you know there have been plenty of stories how yakuza handle um certain um certain targets uh shall we say Ooh, now that would have been cool if they if they yakuza members end up being found dead being killed by a slit mouth woman have, you follow two stories of detectives and yakuza members trying to figure out what's going on yeah exactly like uh like the spirit itself could probably um stalk one of the yakuza members one by one especially those that were probably involved in her murder yeah. or even better she stalks their children then then gates on going up from there. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Like I think for me, this film should have been an allegory for beauty, and do, that's kind of what a lot of people do with Bloody Mary. They should have done something like that. Yeah, exactly. That would work perfectly for the Slipmouth Woman. But here's the thing: the movie tries to make her again thematic towards abuse of mothers, but even then, it doesn't really work because half the mothers that that the Slipmouth Woman chooses aren't even abusive. So even then, it fails in what message it's trying to convey. And now here's the thing about the phrase watashi wa kire. Now, the mistranslation that they use in the, uh, mo in the movie is that they mishear it as watashi wo kire. Wo being an article for doing something, like cutting them. Right. Watashi wa, wa being the article for a state of being. So, watashi wa kire is I am beautiful, whereas watashi o kire is um, to cut them. And this is where the Japanese language is very um, confusing sometimes so with yeah. how it's... Um, how it's structured because certain words can mean can have different meanings depending yeah. on the structure of the sentence and yeah. that's where the articles are very important and honestly it can't yeah, be that a, hard to miss yeah but isn't a big example of this like the letter four uh, it, yeah number four sorry and uh, not and exactly Japanese not exactly i mean for kide it could be like to be beautiful or to cut for that, yes, that would be the case, but the article is where the difference lies. The true difference, I mean. Right. Because that completely derails the whole um the whole line of what the movie would try to convey, but it just doesn't work. Yeah, it and like derails the entire plot and turns it over its head in such a stupid manner and it just pisses me off so much 
Yeah. It also, another big issue I had is they kind of just forced a, a lot of the dialogue. One thing I remember is, well, first of all, we didn't introduce the male lead of this movie. Who, uh, Ace, who's the actor for that? Haruhiko Kato is his name. I don't really know much of him as an actor, but, I mean, he does an okay job. You know, he's obviously trying his best yeah. as well. But again, he's just giving crap to work with. And he, and, and he but, ends up sounding very monotone throughout the film, too. And but one thing that really that his role is just the convenient family member who yeah. has a relation to the said Onryo, which feels what? very forced in and completely unnecessary. But one thing that really got me was when he and the Lee girl went went to the house of the last possessed person, uh, the last person that the slept mouth woman possessed, and saw the kids there. And she ran off. He asked, what's wrong? She instantly went on saying, well, I was an abusive mother and all that. And I couldn't help but say, okay, you just met this guy. How about we not tell him about your personal life? Yeah, that was a really weird choice. Just like to throw that out of the blue. And I get it. You want to you wanna make it where she's trying to have a redemption story here. You, you want to have her like um, try to like better her. Like the idea is that she's trying to better herself after like screwing up with her own daughter. And that's a, not a bad arc to have. It's just again, it doesn't really go anywhere, and wrong yokai. Yeah, and a wrong yokai as well. It especially doesn't help for what we get later on with the ending of the movie, which uh, we'll go into that part later. Like it just, she doesn't like is given any time to really develop as a character. She's just kind of, again, like Eriko is just kind of a kind of a passenger throughout this film. Unless she needs to be involved and throw this unnecessary amount of backstory. Or at least it wouldn't be unnecessary if the movie focused and utilized her more as a lead versus throwing this other character who has connection to the Slipmouth woman. Yeah, also, they really do not make any of these abusive mothers sympathetic in this film. No, they make it look. They actually make it look like they have some kind of disorder. Where they're, it makes it look like they have some kind of personality disorder. Yeah, like they come. Especially off, off, the mm-hmm. origin of the slip mouth woman in this movie, <sighs> where it just comes off as like just spontaneous, like, like she's possessed or something. Yeah, yeah. They never explain it. Yeah, it's a very weird choice. And again, if you want to go with the backstory that this is, like, based around the Slipmouth woman, you know, since the fetal era, fine. But again, I've already said the movie doesn't make it clear if that's the case or not, so it just feels out of the blue. Now, you know what would be a cool way to do this? Is if the Slipmouth woman is a Legion-like figure and all of the urban legends based around her are true to an extent, but there are different people that kind of merge into the spirit of the Slipmouth woman. Right. Like the Candyman. Like right. the Candyman. Yes. Yeah. And, the, and again, the movie kind of feels like it's trying to go for that, but instead of just... Doesn't like, explain it. It doesn't explain it. That's one That's the other. That's one yeah, problem. No, you just, now, you can't say a horror movie doesn't need to explain everything to kind of keep the mystery, but this is something you need to explain. Yeah, because there's a, there's a certain amount between when leaving something in mystery... And then there's just lazy writing. This, unfortunately, leans more to the latter of those two. They were trying to find a last-minute MacGuffin. Yeah, and you mentioned also about the uh, mothers presented in the movie. They're also very portrayed as very, like, over... Basically exaggerated stereotypes. Like, something you'd see in, like, a, like an 80s slasher movie, where you have all these very generic trope characters... <laughs> 
And here, it's very much the same way. There's no, there's no relatability with any of these characters. There's no sense of understanding with them. They're just there for the sake of being evil characters and to get possessed by the slipmouthed woman. And it also feels very distasteful when your film is trying to discuss a very serious subject matter. Now, here's the thing. I wouldn't mind it so much with the Jason films because we already know how stupidly um, entertaining those are. So the stereotypes don't mean that much to you aside from just, you know, watching these characters get killed off. Yeah, at least with the Jason Yeah, at least with the Jason movies, they're some of them are self-aware and they just have fun with that premise. But this one is trying to be a hundred percent serious about the the source contents. Yeah. So wouldn't it have been amazing if she did put one kid into a, into a sleeping bag and, and start beating him against the tree? <laughs> I would okay. start laughing okay. for some reason. Okay. I mean, as morbid as that sounds. And then I'd say this is the best film ever. Yeah, I was about to five say, I would, I would give it five stars at that point. <laughs> and no one would, re- and I want them to be witnesses too, because none of them would rescue the kid. They'd be too busy laughing. <laughs> Now, there is another issue I wanted to explain. You know the big, scary scissors she uses in Legends? Yeah. The kind of decoration in this film, from my scene, she kicks people more. Yeah, I was about to say, she uses her heels a lot in this movie. She doesn't, like, do a kung fu kick or anything like that. She's, she pushes someone over just like, eh. Take just kick them all yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Say hello to my new heels. And it's not even, like, in a badass way. Like, say, like, uh, and this is a really random example, but, like, in Cult of Chucky, where, uh, like, Chucky use, possesses somebody and uses their heels to stomp on a guy's face. Like, it's not, like, oh, a, wow. like a cool scene like that. No, it's just, like, it's, like, it's like there's, like, there's, like, kicking them, there's, like, kicking them while they're down. It's, like, freezing dunk it, with Goku. It doesn't even look like it hurts them. It, look, it looks no, like, stop no, it. it doesn't. Stop. No. Stop. I'm like, I'll harm you. She only uses the scissors on the guy. I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> and even if, even then, like, of course, it leads to the scene in the movie where he ends up using the scissors on her as well. And Zippy, you want to yeah, she... like explain that whole scene? Because <laughs> oh my, uh, first thing before he he uses the scissors, she uses the scissors. And cuts off his feet. And apparently, this didn't affect him too badly. I thought he would have passed out or something by, you know, losing his feet yeah, in the worst way possible. Yeah, of the Achilles heel is, is is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I will admit, like the right. way the scene, no, he... like the way the scene plays that out, where <laughs> she cuts the te- Achilles tendon, I will give him credit. That w- was pretty uh, disturbing to look at because that that is a very painful spot to get hurt. And I definitely yeah, but apparently it didn't hurt. Apparently it didn't hurt him so much. Honestly, yeah, that, that's the only part that didn't work. When I first saw it, I was like, ooh. And then when he started getting up a little bit, I was like, wait, wait, what was the fucking? Point yeah, no, that, that he... is BS. That is complete bullshit. Yeah, that I was mean, bullshit. I've seen Pet Cemetery. I've seen how Gage cuts Judd's Achilles tendon off. He is screwed. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the at the end, the son, who somehow is still conscious, don't know how, yeah. Finally got the scissors and did what his mother apparently told him that he'd misunderstood the first time. Aim for the neck. He used the scissors and cut off her head. Took quite a bit, I assume, because that probably take a bit to do with scissors. Yeah, of course. And, and then it led to the to the funniest scene 
where the son's dead down there, holding the head of the woman that was possessed by, by the Slipmouth woman as the elderly version of the Slipmouth woman just stands and watches. And then that I kind of want to say, yeah, but I want like a live audience laughing at that scene, like the end of a sitcom. <laughs> oh, they could laugh. All I feel is rage. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you hear some uh, cracking in the background, that's me tearing apart a coat hanger, an old coat hanger. <laughs> he went for the neck. He went for the neck. Yeah. And I will go for your balls. <laughs> <laughs> And even then, like, the, the way the scene presents itself, we, like, they want to present it in a way where you feel bad for this guy having to do this. But the thing is, we don't care at this point. And we don't care about any of these characters. So trying to implement this scene just comes across as fucking pretentious as all hell. And, if it, and at worst, it's completely laughable. Then the top, the whole thing off, which was the scene that really pissed me off, was with our main lead getting finally reuniting with her you know with her daughter that she had issues with you're thinking okay happy ending and then she's possessed by the slip mouth woman and ha- grabs up the scissors and, and is a- about to stab her daughter yeah which yeah, also where was- where her dad? Why did her dad leave? Why did this girl's dad leave? Yeah. Her, leave her alone with the, the abusive mother. Why would he leave her there with her? And secondly, the whole arc that you had with with uh, Erico trying to redeem herself and make peace with her daughter, it's completely thrown out of the fucking window just for the sake of a cheap scare at the end, and it's fucking stupid. Just like the movie. Yeah, exactly like the movie. You know what? I really hope that if we ever get a chance to watch Carve 2, that will be far better than this garbage. Yeah, I, I, you know, I have heard that the that the second Carve movie is far better, and I do yeah. hope it is. And to you, the listener, that if you're wondering how bad this movie is, it has no copyright to it. You can watch it free on YouTube. Yeah, it's completely free. That's how we were able to watch it. <laughs> And and again, I will say this though. I do hope that Koji Shirashi continues uh, with his filmmaking because he see, he seems like a very passionate guy. I've seen a couple of doc. I've seen a couple of interviews with him. He does care about horror, and he does want to make the best he can possibly make it. I just think maybe this just wasn't either. He just got the bad script and he had to work with it. I there's no behind the scenes on this movie, so I can't speak of on his behalf. But I do hope that he gets some better material to work with over time. Again, I've heard good things about the Teke Teke film, and I've heard that the film Norari the Curse is a very good movie. So yeah. I do what? hope that it's um I do hope that he continues getting better projects. And I especially think the Slipmouth Woman herself as a character deserves a lot better than what yeah, it, it's really upsetting because, you know, before Sadako, Kayako, Tomie, all the Japanese female horror characters we know, it was a Slipknot woman. Yeah. She was before, yeah, she was before all, all of them, and there's just really not a lot of media based around her. Yeah, and she... And when there is, often, when there is it's often more comedic or porn. Yeah, and... <laughs> Yeah, so I think at this point we can pretty much uh, just giving our final thoughts on this in that I, I think I speak for all of us when we when we say that this is a movie that has a, on paper, it sounds like it has a lot of potential. But when you look into it further and watching the film itself, 
you realize how many mistakes were made on this from the biggest one was when she got the slit mouth. Yeah. Like it's... that was, it. that was, remember how we were praising the design of slit mouth woman? Well, they didn't put that much effort into how she got it. Yeah. The explanation, yep. yeah, the explanation is stupid, but that pretty much sums up the whole movie. It's a yeah. film that wants to be more than what it actually is. And it ends up, it ends up, unfortunately just underutilizing a very well-known character in a film that shouldn't even be based around her and it just wastes a lot of a lot of potential from a writing perspective for acting perspective and in bringing more people to check out a well-known character of japanese mythology and urban legends and I think that's a damn shame that this I think that's a damn shame that we couldn't get something better or uh you know from this movie. But I hope for the best for the future and hope that the sequel will hopefully be far better. Yeah, and to be fair, this, oh, go ahead. I can only go ahead, say sorry. this is that this movie had probably a lot riding on its shoulders, but in the end it just left a lot more to, des- to be desired Agreed. because a lot of people were most likely disappointed in this characterization and interpretation of the slit mouth woman and i i included want to see the slit mouth woman in a better adaptation and done justice with her themes yeah she absolutely deserves it but Again, we have plenty of time to see more adaptations in the future, and there's plenty of other newer Japanese directors who might bring, may one day make the proper adaptation that uh, we deserve, or at least until. And, we... and I will, and I will say this: at least she still, ha- at least she was given a more respectful adaptation than the eight foot tall woman. <laughs> yeah, at least there are some forms of media that present her in a very, in a, in a much better light, non-sexual light. Which is also the name of our Christian rock band. <laughs> I did not know that, and I will keep that in mind. Oh, all right, I didn't tell you guys. We're starting a Christian rock band called Non-Sexual Light. <laughs> I am not I am not part of this. I do not condone any of these actions. Band practice is on Tuesday. I'll see you guys there. <laughs> oh, you, ain't, you ain't saying shit with me. But, you, but, you're, but you're playing the xylophone. I told you I will only do it if I'm on the acoustic. And I told you never. And fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But that being said, I think we made a really good time here, guys. So, yeah, that would um, end uh, today's episode. So next time we are going to be venturing back into America in classic, classic alien territory, but not the way you would expect it. And yes, Ooh. anal probing is involved with it. Oh, I was about to make that joke. <laughs> I had to beat you to that one. I was about, I I was about to tell the audience. Bring... Pull... I was about to tell them, bu- buckle up and pull down your pants. It's about to get probing. <laughs> I am probably going to bring Eric Cartman into this. Yes. Um, <laughs> As you should. As you should. Well, that's all for this episode. My name is Sippy VA, and joining me is... Ace Baroque. And William, the slit mouth wearing trench coat hiding in Alice Kearney. Don't quote me on that. And this has been Cryptic Collectors. <laughs> <laughs>